Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. I'm in conversation with a formidable woman, uh, Zubeda Jeffa, who really has earned her stripes as journalist, as an author of many books, not just one, and is is an activist um, that needs to be reckoned with. So she joins me in our Cape Town studios this afternoon. Thank you so much for, for making the time to talk to us, Zubeda. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pimelo. I... Um I'm, it's the first time I'm speaking to somebody that I haven't personally met at the SABC. So it shows that I'm, you know, maybe of another generation. <laughs> what are you kidding? You were born yesterday. <laughs> so, Beta, thanks so much for making the time. And I'm going to ask you something that I think touches many South African women at the moment. Everybody's talking about gender-based violence. You are somebody that has been a massive voice in this space. As we sit today... And as we speak about this so often, do you have a sense that we're about to deal with it once and for all in this country? I think it's reaching a a tipping point where many more of us are grappling with what exactly has to be done and trying, many trying to do uh, a lot too. But I'm not sure if we're close to, you know, uh, breaking the the rock or breaking the the monster um, because I've been trying to understand this phenomenon and we know it's something that's not new mm. um, and I have been watching and seeing that internationally you know people women are grappling with this so it's not a particularly South African phenomenon but I think we have an unreasonably high level of violence in our country, uh, which is probably the, the you know the most traumatic um, you know experience of our daily life. Mm-hmm. And so we need to we need to be creative now and find ways to 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 tackle this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I myself, you know, I've lived in, I, I live in the same area that I grew up in, in mm-hmm. Weinberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been, family's been there over 60 years. And um, so I understand that area and I'm beginning, I'm beginning to think or grapple with the thought that we have to do the street by street. You know, mm-hmm. isn't, doesn't seem to be any other more finite way than you, doing it street by street. But I may be wrong. It's just something I've been trying to figure out with my neighbours. I mean, you're of an era that comes from journalism in the 80s, and we all know the 80s in this country were a very difficult time. You you started your career at the Cape Times in 1980, and it was hardly, about six months into the new job, you were arrested. And, and I know many, many people who were at that publication to this day who are suffering from post-traumatic stress and depression and so on. And so your linking of the violence that we come from, this history of violence that we come from, to perhaps why we are seeing this violence being perpetuated to women and children is, is maybe something to talk about. Yes, it's it's all it's it's not isolated, it's all tied up together. Um I sometimes it really makes me sad when when people look at it in isolation and they just say or try and suggest, Oh, it's it's black men or it's you know, um they kind of racialize the whole thing. It's it's 
it's broader and deeper than that because I can cite many, many examples where I experienced violence um, in my teenage years and, and, and saw violence. And then once I became professional, I mean, I really saw violence, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in all its manifestations. It, it, it was there. I mean, you, you were obviously just there as a journalist telling stories. But you made it a point, one of the things that you talk about a lot, even in your books, is to tell stories as close to the bone as possible. So being truthful to one's story and being honest and being authentic is very paramount to you. But but another thing that we, we have to grapple with is you've just spoken about the fact that at the time, um, violence was everywhere. And, and as somebody who was a journalist, media freedom was also something of a luxury. Yes, indeed. That's why sometimes I'm very amused when people feel they're under threat. Uh, although, I mean, presently under threat, although I'm not uh, saying that the, there aren't real problems, mm-hmm. but you can hardly compare, mm-hmm. you know, how it was in an authoritarian state, which uh, we, we journalists were arrested and killed and, you know, people were, were killed by the state. You cannot compare that to the kind of sort of free airways that we have at the moment. We can go back. We can, you know, we can, um, you know, we mustn't assume it's just all always going to be like that. We have to fight, continue fighting for it. But from where I sit, you know, I can never, I find it very difficult when people, you know, think that they are in similar situations because it's not. So but it's a different type of threat, isn't it? Where it, it wears its other other forms. So people are able to intimidate you in, in different ways. People are able to threaten you using their support base, not necessarily themselves directly. So it's yes. slightly different, isn't it? Yes, it's a it's a it's a difference where you. I remember um, spending time with a community radio station out in the Free State, and one of the things they said that was very difficult is that they, if they don't tow the line or if they don't, you know, behave in a certain way, then the municipality can withdraw the financial support. Mm. So that is a real pressure, you know, and that is that is not acceptable. So. But that is completely different to what we had those days where you wouldn't even have a municipality supporting a community radio station in a township, Mm -hmm. you know. So it's almost like, you know, it's two entirely different situations. And we have to look at the level of of interference, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and decide what to do about it. Mm. So Beta Jaffa is a journalist. She's an award-winning author and activist as well. She's with me until 3 o'clock. If you want to join this conversation, you're more than welcome to do that on 0891-104-207. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. Life, life happens with Pimelo Motine. 
Sveda Jeffa is my award-winning journalist uh, guest this afternoon. She's an author, she's an activist, she's also a research fellow at the University of the Free State and she's based in Cape Town. She joins us up until 3 o'clock. We really are just shooting the breeze with her today, just honouring the work that she's done. So you're, one of your most recent publications is of uh, the first female graduate in this country, Charlotte Matleke. Your interest in her, tell us about that. Actually, it all happened by chance. Um, I I arrived um, at the University of the Free State and been offered a um, a five year contract. Can you imagine a five year contract as writing in residence, <laughs> but with the with the uh, proviso that I help uh, transform the the communications and journalism. Uh, department. So I was working with uh, Professor, Professor Jonathan Jansen mm. and in that time there was a memorial lecture dedicated to to my Charlotte and I knew very little about her and then I asked Prof Jansen about, about her and then he said well um, you know he also didn't know much about her and he directed me to an office which was organizing the lecture and when I finally went to the office I and listened to the people there, I realized that there's actually very little information. Mm-hmm. And it was all, and to some extent, it was uh, contradictory information. And mm-hmm. so I said to, to Jonathan, um, I told him what I'd found. And then he looked at me and he said to me, don't you want to do the research and write a book about her? And, you know, it was so strange because many people come to me, you know, asking me to write their books or whichever books. And I most, I, I always say no, because, you know, when you, when you, you have to be passionate about what you, mm. what you're going to be writing. And so, you, because you can live with that person for two, three years, mm. or sometimes even longer. Mm. And so you can't just, I can't, maybe others can, but I can't just you know, just to say yes and, you know, get into somebody's head. Am I not, am I not whom I'm not very excited about? So, also. so what was it then that eventually got you to say yes? You know, it was actually amazing. I actually am amazed by it because, as I said to you, I always say no. Um, and um, But there was something that just made the answer yes. You know, it was a very spontaneous answer. And I'm... And, as I worked, I worked three years in researching the book and then writing the book, I often felt that it was as if she was speaking through me, mm. you know, and there was something happening at a at a other level because at that same time, her name was popping up in various ways and the very big thing that happened in that same time was that for the first time in 125 years, uh, somebody in 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 London um, made public photographs of her that that we'd never seen, and the photograph that's on the front page of the I mean on the cover of the book is that photograph. <laughs> so we'd never seen really seen a youthful picture of her. Yes, I, I was quite surprised that it's it's also very clear. It's it's quite a beautiful picture. It's a picture that was taken in a studio. It's studio pictures, yes. which, which made it even more, because this is in the 1800s. Yeah. It makes it phenomenal. Yeah. And so when I 
somebody contacted me to say they heard about this and they know I'm working on this and it was like a you know when the pictures finally came through I just was sure. almost like I was in a state because I couldn't believe it you know seeing this woman's face so clearly you know and seeing her at the age of 21 and seeing her beauty and and it made so everything would you would you then say it was the picture <laughs> was it the picture? Well, the picture only came through after a long while. It only came through, you know, after I'd been working on it for two years or so. Okay. So it wasn't the picture, but the picture Just made me feel that... Validation of sorts. Validation that this woman's life has to be known by all of us. There is you a know, concern, I'm, a growing concern, that um, funds for writing, a particularly academic work, are dwindling. And there just is lack of interest to pursue this because it's you know it's it's a it's it's a lot of labor, yeah. um, and and when when money's not coming through and part of the reason is that you know there is no uptake. The students across the board across universities are not buying textbooks so to speak. Yes. A lot of plagiarism and so on. How do you think, as somebody who sits as a research fellow at a university, this will affect academic work and academic research and output of academic work? Uh, in, 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 in total? Well, it's, it's affecting academic work. It's affecting journalism. It's, uh, I mean, today one is expected to write for no pay. I mean, it's absurd. You know, you, you, the biggest companies um, expect one to write for no pay. Mm. And that's partly a reason why I don't write for many of the companies and I set up my own uh, website because I thought, well, it doesn't have the same reach, but I can grow it and it's my own thing. And, you know, I'm, yes, I'm not being paid, but I'm putting it there for, for students or whatever. But this thing of not being paid, I think, is, is a shame. Mm. It's a shame that our creative work has been taken and we are not being paid. You know, this is across the board. This yeah. is across the board. Yeah. And so the second thing that, that a few of us have done, we've set up a website called The Journalist mm. uh, five years ago. And this has created a platform for people, uh, the younger voices and older voices who don't have a place to express themselves. And we only come out once a month. Mm. But for five years, we've been able to keep it going without taking foreign funding. And I'm very, very proud of that. Mm. Um, sadly, right now, it seems that we are really in a tight corner. We don't you know? have, Zubaida, do we, the, the model that, that cracks it. What, what's going on right now is that journalists have got to worry about the bottom line. Everybody has got to worry about how this is going to be funded. Everybody's trying different models. You're starting to see some sort of news outlets on social media platforms. In other words, using things like WhatsApps and so on. But just the other day, I saw a really big publication which was announcing that this year, will, in December, will be their last WhatsApp news um, output. And I just thought to myself, so if big publications cannot get it right, I mean, what chance does uh, a journalist out there, you know, trying to make a living? Have? Yeah, it's, it's very tough. Um, we have always tried in through the journalists to, to pay people, 
to, even if it's a small amount, but to pay when we could and when we felt that that person was didn't have a job and they were doing this, you know, for earning reasons. When the person had a job and had other income, we kind of, you know, said, don't you mind doing this but not being paid, you know? Sure. And so, so we've managed to keep it going for five years. We are now at the point where we have to maybe just um, I'm thinking we haven't decided it, but we we seem to we're gonna have to just buy time, you know, mm. go go smaller, um, see if we can all put money by small sums of money just to keep the publication going, so that we think in a year's time we would have been able to be innovative and have fundraisers or whatever, mm. and and put together some money that could make it you know, get back to its, uh, to take it up into a higher level. Mm. So Beda Jaffa is my guest until three o'clock and uh, she's in conversation with me really on the big interview just to shoot the breeze and talk about absolutely anything and everything. You can also do the same and join the conversation on 891-104-207-230 now. Let's go to Uzi Lesako for the latest in headlines. Here, there and everywhere. <laughs> SAFM 104.3 FM in Rustenburg. Zubeda Jaffa is my guest until three. She's an award-winning South African journalist, author, activist. She's also a, a research fellow at the University of the Free State, and she's based in Cape Town. Thank you so much for staying with us, Zubeda. What do you think is required to, I suppose, ring, you know, bring back the glory days when when journalism was respected. Um, a lot of questions has have come come to the fore about the ethics of journalists more now than than you know than ever. Uh, we've also have to deal. We've we also have had to deal with a lot of fake news which have penetrated the 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 media houses. A lot of bribery and so on. What needs to happen now to kind of bring back journalism to its glory days? I I don't have a quick answer. Um, my sense is that we must plot a way at defining what the basics are and what, what and bringing that into the education process. For example, I feel that people need to, the students or the people who are being trained as journalists, they need to understand their role and that they are storytellers of their communities. They are the storytellers. They are the people who, who write the first record of history in a way. And they're also in the privileged position that they are being paid to when they are being paid they are being paid to to um, to observe and witness things that that you know thousands or millions of people are not privy to and then they must share you know they must paint the picture to those who weren't there so for me that is very very basic um, because Sometimes we are now we in a in an age of entertainment. It's more like entertainment information. Mm. I don't know what you could call it, mm. but you more think that you there to entertain people, or you're writing certain sort of sexy stories or certain, you know, um, 
dramatic stories. So that's the the reason why you are doing what you have to do. But you are actually, if you if you trace the history, and if you look through the role of what a journalist has to be, the role is to to almost be the storyteller mm. of that community it's part you she is part of mm. and this, that has been broken yeah that has been broken you yeah. know I, I'm, I'm gonna quickly ask you why that is it's it's largely financial it's largely that the industry has moved from being a sort of a non-profit if you think of of our newspapers in the 1800s, in the 1900s, it was basically propped up by by companies who were doing other things as well. So mm. they weren't making big money from that activity. Then it got, we got, and this is in the world, it got to a point where it started making, the actual news business was, was the business. Mm. And so all of us who worked in those situations, we were f- forced, you can say, uh, philosophically to be, um, you know, churning out copy that would be entertaining, mm-hmm. that would, would you, that would draw eyeballs or draw people to the paper or whatever. That would be profitable. Yes, that would be profitable. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't necessarily um, educational or giving people great insights into their lives or what they could do. Um, for example, at the moment, I look at the what's happening. The president is having this investor conference. There's all sorts of little bits of information coming through. He's trying to raise, I don't know how many millions or billions or trillions. Three trillion. Yes, <laughs> three trillion it is. But nobody is... is, is systematically breaking this down for the public and saying, look, mm. we have, you know, from, if we, and I'm not so familiar with these issues, but what I do know is that the top 50 JSE firms um, uh, were sitting on 1.6 trillion in cash by the end of 2016, which they were not reinvesting, mm. okay? And they were giving, and that South African firms um, are more profitable than they have become more profitable than their counterparts in um, similar countries. So we need to start asking questions because we are the journalists. We must start asking the questions. What on earth is happening here? We need to understand, we need to inform our pu- the public what is happening, what is going on, because we are the people who I mean, uh, what is it? Pioneer Foods, for example, mm-hmm. is in the top 50. Yeah. Pioneer Foods in the top 50. Who makes Pioneer Foods? We, what Pioneer Foods is? It's the, we go and buy the products. We buy the products. Mm-hmm. They get the money from us and then they make a profit. And when they refuse to invest, reinvest that profit for whatever reason, they are inflicting harm on us because we are the partners right but where on earth is this conversation going on the conversation is only at the tip of the iceberg conversation is only the the president is talking to investors and we need 1.6 trillion and we need this or we need that but 
as far as our understanding of how all this works, and I include myself, I, I'm not, you know, um, economically literate. I mean, I'm not, mm. I probably am more literate than others, but I'm not, I don't quite figure out how does this work? How do they, if how I, do they make create all these things you know in fact Zabeda, there was a, a whole study um it may have you know a while ago when when the saga around uh, um in, in Gandla came through yeah. and and people were there was a, a company that tried to demonstrate to people what this means so this when people talk about this big corruption what does it mean in real terms for you and i and how does it affect you and the only way um they figured it got to people understanding what is it this money was about how much was it how to quantify it is just by using little graphics to say this amount of money would have bought you this amount of rdp homes for instance yes this amount of money has denied you this number of clinic visits for argument's sake That's or this num this amount of money has denied you a high school in your village because yes. it has actually gone to place X and yes. and that's the simplicity of what it is that you're talking about yes yeah that is we, we've got a good examples of fantastic uh, efforts by journalists yeah but overall we are we are limping at the moment yeah we are limping and we we are not able to do the kind of spade work that we need so that our communities are fully, you know, aware of the implications of what's going on. Let me go to those called Gondile, who is calling us from Mangawung. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi. Hi, Sister Miss, and uh, my old friend, uh, Hello, Gondile. Gondile, go ahead. Yes, no, I, I, I'm listening to this interesting <laughs> discussion with Veda, but I, I certainly, Pamela, uh, I did uh, review the, the book of... Uh, Charlotte Matlake. Yeah, yes. of Veda Farm a couple of years back, oh, and yes. uh, yeah, what is the beauty of the heart? Yes, yes, yeah. so you, okay, yes. Yes, and... Uh, let me start with the book itself. Uh, she was raising quite uh, important factors there that some are not necessarily in the public space. For example, in that book, uh, she raises the real uh, date of death of uh, Charlotte, which is the contestation, uh, of course, contestation amongst historians as to when was she actually born mm -hmm. and so. So those are, for me, uh, important, you know, issues that uh, areas that uh, need an incisive writer mm -hmm. because the reality is that uh, I think this is what you have said earlier in, the, in your conversation that the material is all over the, 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 the space of writing has changed, the space of journalism has changed, but how do you package information particularly from either literature or, or, or academic research it's very important because those are the things that uh, make the work outstanding. And I must indicate that uh, together with her students, uh, researchers, uh, Zubeda, they did a, a quite a startling work in exposing some of the information that was hidden or the information that has always been contested. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, it makes a, a good read for not just an ordinary reader who wants to understand the story, but to, to get deeper in understanding who Mary uh, Charlotte Manya McGregor was. Uh, I, I, I looked at it and I, I really tried to also give it a, a deeper lens and understand as to what is it that is different that uh, Zubeda was bringing in. And I'm sure she also made a comment in one of her pages to say, yes, I, I think only I agree with you in other areas. Mm. But uh, getting into the, 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 the trade of journalism, mm-hmm. for me, uh, 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 the, like any other... Uh, trade journalism has evolved and mm. it continues to evolve, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, some of the trades, like uh, I've tried to do a desktop check, like your communications, marketing, journalism, for me, I find them to be, I don't want to say soft trades, but they are easily influenced by the developments uh, that are happening globally. Mm. And uh, for you to survive into that space, I, I think it will take uh, arm and a leg to really uh, do it. For example, if you can look at the the new technologies and uh, what they've thought about in the, in the world of journalism, you can pick it up immediately that, look, the truth has to be changed and it has to be repackaged, even from the curriculum point of view. Uh, in, at the universities, and I'm sure Jubeda will, will agree with me on that one. Thank you so, so and much for that. Uh, thank you very much, Kondile. Thanks for your insights. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with more after this. I ask you about your defense of South Africa. Solid defense. I look really bad. 32 points of Fribokka, 10 over 12 from England. England makkelijk om op te som. Going all the way to win the final. And they're rewriting the new history in the books. That's the Springbok team today. SFM congratulates the Bokka for winning the Rugby World Cup 2019. The people of South Africa are celebrating a sport that for decades has united our nation. Hashtag RWC 2019 winners. SABC Education, together with the Department of Basic Education, wishes the class of 2019 matriculants all the best for the final exams. Remember, you guys are capable of more than you know. Just believe in yourself. Keep calm and do your very best. We wish you success, guys. SABC Education, enriching minds, enriching lives. You're listening to Pimelo Mutini on SAFM. Zubeda Jeffer is my guest and she's an award-winning South African journalist. Uh, she's an author, she's an activist, she's a research fellow at the University of the Free State based in Cape Town. She's in conversation with me until 3 and I will take your calls, as I said, on 891 Sillo from Makopani. Thank you so much for your patience, Sillo. Good afternoon. All right, we've lost Silo there. Zubeda, you know, we uh, the, the previous caller um, spoke a lot about the the, 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 the the elements that one has to deal with as, as a journalist, you know, uh, desktop journalism he spoke about. But times have changed, and I suppose we have to find new ways to authenticate. We have to find new ways to get credibility and so on. And that's where the money comes in, isn't it? Where if there is no money for a journalist to go and verify the story themselves on the ground, it's tough. You know, that's where it comes to us trying to develop different models. Mm-hmm. Now, we can either say, like in the case of the violence against women, Oh, it's an impossibility, you know. Oh, it's terrible. Or, oh, our country is going to the dogs when our country is not going to the dogs. But we can give up 
and this is not the way to live our lives by giving up. We we are known, especially as South Africans, to be long distance runners. We we carry on and we plod along, and we've got leaders who over many of over a century, especially that we're familiar with, that have stayed the 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 path. You know, kept the the focus, and so we must try and keep the focus. And the focus is to create a society. And a country where where life, where everybody is treated fairly, mm-hmm. where everybody is treated fairly, and where there is, yes, generally fairness. Because I can't say equality because that's hardly likely, but fairness, so that one uh, group of people are not, you know, flying to Mauritius to have a meal, and the other one down the road is not scratching in the bin, you know, for food. This is not on. We cannot, cannot, you know, it's untenable for a country as beautiful and as resilient and as fantastic as we are. And I do believe that we are very, very amazing nation. Many people say that when they visit, they just can't believe all these people and their stories and their resilience. But we are so battered, we are so bashed um, that, you know, we're finding it sometimes difficult to get up and go again. All right, we've got Silo from Mokopane back on the line. Good afternoon, Silo. Thanks, um, Pamela. Um, You asked the question, what uh, should the journalists do to better their profession? Mm. It's simple. What entails, I think it is the uh, code of ethics, they might just do what uh, they are supposed to do. That's, that's simple. Is that's it, like when you drive. Is it that simple, Silo? <laughs> it, it, it is. It's just that people um, are, are, are trying to make it difficult. It, it, it's the same thing as when you drive. If I skip robot, I know I should not. If I skip a stop sign, I should not. I must not overspeed so forth. That's, that's how things should be. But um, uh, currently, we, we, we have seen a lot of, um, some of journalists who go out outside of their, uh, um, their, their, their mandate um, to inform us without fear and favor, but they go out there to destroy other people's lives, mm-hmm. purposely so. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it, 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 they do know what they should do. That's simple. Do your work. Don't accept, um, just don't look for a brown envelope. And then that's it. And then we'll have a better society. But until then, the money... Uh, that they're getting just to d- destroy Pamela and Silo, then that's, that will be a problem that uh, needs the, 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 the journalists themselves to solve. Not us, not anyone, but themselves as Pamela. That's, that's a short and um, simple answer for that. You know, Zubaida, Silo says it's very simple. Do you agree? It's, is it simple? Is it as simple <laughs> as it says it is? Well, in a way, yes, it is, but all, I mean, it's, it's, there are two sides here. Yeah. It is simple because you either, you either struggle or you, no, you, you, you make an effort to be as ethical as possible, uh, and uh, remain ethical, um, and you try and bring as much information into the public space as possible. So, in that sense, it's simple, but, we also have to be critical of the 
the business model that we are now entrapped in, you know. And, uh, for example, when I started uh, with journalism in the, in, when I first went as a student uh, to, to do a student job in the 70s, I, I was sent out every day uh, in Durban um, in a little VW car and I could visit the morgue, I could visit the hospitals, I could visit the the um, the trans the, the what's the fire brigade, various other places, and I, I would have to come back with stories. And I was doing this every day. Mm. Now, now that is something that will never ever happen today, because of course you can't give a student or a young journalist they won't just give a young journalist a car. Uh, student, but the methodology that's being used now is also broken down. So we won't say, the editor won't say, sit on the phone and call every, yep. uh, yeah. you know, institution in Mitchell's Plain. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. let's take Mitchell's Plain. Mm. And so know what's happening in the hospitals. What's, I mean, we can do it. I mean, we can do a version of it. But we are so shortchanged. We have so few people in our newsrooms. And um, I've worked with trying to develop a model um, two, two, three years ago, which I haven't repeated, but was to give, to ask students at different universities to, were part of the journalists, to say, are you prepared to be part of a project to go back to your community and write information about the uh, local government elections? And, you know, it was the most fascinating thing because we've got 20 stories, 14 were used eventually, and I, I kept on sending wow. the stories back, and <laughs> it was the most wonderful pieces. Yeah. You know, but it, they have to be guided, obviously. I mean, yes. you can't just expect a student to know. But I could sh sh say to them, look, go to Stats South Africa and look up this, you yes. know, how much, how much water is in your area. Yeah. Go to look at this data bank and you will see how many people coming um, in your houses or in your area. And then also ask your parents and ask people in the area what's their relationship with the community, uh, what's the counselor, yes. you know. And in the end, it produced, they came on from the holidays, they sent it, and we were in time before the local government elections, and we had 14 stories. From all over the country. What a and wonderful story. Yeah, if somebody were to give me the money, I would set it up on a permanent basis. You know, we call it touching, touching base. Yes. But I just don't have the energy to, to beg for money. You know, and but the model can, is there. You know, let me tell you, Zubaydah. The I can model tell, is there. I can you tell know? you the problem. The problem is that you're not in the business of begging for money. And that's part of the problem. So journalists actually just want to get on with the business of doing what they need to be doing, not exactly. chasing money soon. So there is nothing wrong with you not being able to chase money because that's not what you're meant to be doing. Somebody else is meant to be doing that for you. Exactly. Somebody else should be look for innovation and should say, listen, we're prepared to help you, you know, with this if you... But it's such a difficult process I can tell you and I mean I'm well known I've got a good reputation and it's nerve-wracking you know the way people make you wait the way people don't miss respond. you around they don't respond. the way people prefer to have a you know pay money on a, a meal for 2,000 or even more 
than to give it towards something that could, you know, be an investment in our communities. You've been an absolute beacon and uh, you've done a lot for this nation. You really have. And, and you've sacrificed your own safety. You've sacrificed so much for our liberation in so many ways by using the might of the pen. We really want to laud you for all that you've done for us, uh, for being such a brave woman and also often standing on your own as, as a Muslim woman, as a woman in isolation many, many times. Thank you so much, Zubaydah, for all the work that you've done. Thank you, Pamela. I'm really, you know, a bit overwhelmed because, you know, we we only what we are with the people who we work with. I mean, depending on the team. Mm. I'm not saying I'm not strong, but I'm saying <laughs> that I've been fortunate to work with some really tremendous people mm. as I'm doing it right now. Mm. Um, and so we have to choose the best. We have to find the best minds. We have to choose the best that those minds can help others. Mm-hmm. That's very, very important. Sabeda Jaffa, thank you very much. What an honorable woman. And she is a research fellow at the University of the Free State based in the Cape Town. She's an award-winning author and a journalist and an activist. And uh, all you have to do is just go to Google and type her name in. The number of books that will come up, that's her. That's exactly who we're talking to. And that conversation will be available as a podcast.